If you're a Pilates instructor looking to grow using a science-based approach, the Pilates Instructor VIP membership is for you. This is a continuing education resource where you get members-only live workshops, weekly literature reviews, Pilates classes, help with your programming, and so much more. Okay, this is an incredible resource, and you can try it right now risk-free with the link in the show notes. But without further ado, let's get to this week's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Evidence-Based Pilates Podcast. I have an incredible topic for you today, and one that if you haven't worked with it yet, you certainly will, because we are going to be talking about osteoarthritis. Okay, osteoarthritis is one of the, it, it actually is the most common joint disease and major cause for disability, and the prevalence is actually on the rise. So as I mentioned, if you haven't seen it yet as a Pilates instructor, you certainly will. Now, osteoarthritis okay, um, is a form of arthritis. There are over 100 different forms of arthritis, and osteoarthritis is just one of the most common ones that you'll see in the Pilates studio, and I wanted to go ahead and dedicate an episode to help you become more confident working with this condition because uh, the TLDR uh, of this episode, too long, didn't read, is um, you should load it and keep the body moving and people are going to be, be they're going to feel better. Now, osteoarthritis, okay, it's it, one of the most valuable things that you can learn when when discussing anything medical um, or anything uh, to do with like Pilates or anatomy, things like that, is to understand like Latin roots of what words mean. So, so then um, what happens is big words like osteoarthritis become really simple and easy to understand, which takes time. It totally takes time. But osteoarthritis is actually like, you can think of it as like three words mushed into one. The first one is osteo. And then there's arth or arthro, and then itis. Osteo means uh, bone, and that's what it means. Osteo means bone. Arthro means joint, and itis means inflammation. So osteoarthritis literally means bone joint inflammation. Right, that's how you can translate it. So it's an inflammatory. Uh, condition that has to do with the bones and the and the joints that are, are the the bones that make up the joint. Okay? Osteoarthritis. Now, osteoarthritis is commonly thought of as a wear and tear disease or condition, but it is not a wear and tear uh, condition. But there is cartilage degeneration, so there's like a slight true truth with that. But saying it's a wear and tear condition is one of the most nocebic things that you can do uh, to, a to a client or if you're a medical practitioner, a patient. Um, so osteoarthritis is a complex and multifactorial condition. Multifactorial meaning that there's multiple factors that come into it. So it's not just like, ooh, wear and tear. But one of those factors is cartilage degeneration. So cartilage is like a connective tissue that helps provide cushion and spread out forces um, in your joints. And degeneration just means like it, it um, like we have less of it over time, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a pathology, meaning something wrong. Um, it might just be like normal aging because we see degeneration in all kinds of um, other tissue as well. So OA is multi OA or osteoarthritis. 
is a complex and multifactorial condition. Part of that is cartilage degeneration. You can also have what's called osteophytes, which are like bony growths um, on, on bone, right? And then you also have inflammation, right? And that is a, that's, a big, that's a big aspect of it. It's in the freaking name, osteoarthritis, okay? Itis is inflammation. Now, inflammation isn't inherently bad, right? In anything, the medicine is in the dose, and so is the poison. Are squats good for you? Well, yeah, they are, right? But like, should you squat 24-7 doing your one, one rep max? Like, no, that's bad, right? That's just an example of like, there's a lot of medicine in squats, but yeah, under certain conditions, it could be the poison. Same thing with inflammation, right? Inflammation is actually the first stage of healing, right? So if you get like a cut, right? If you get a cut on your arm, uh, you'll start to see it getting red or warm. Uh, things like that, um, maybe a little bit of swelling, right? Those are all inflammatory markers. But where inflammation becomes problematic is when it becomes chronic. So it shouldn't last more than like, like I want to say it's like seven days with a common, um, common healing process. So sometimes we get chronic inflammation and those become conditions, right? Um, in this case, osteoarthritis, there's an inflammatory component to the joint. But what's important to recognize is that it, it involves the entire joint. It's not just cartilage degeneration. Cartilage degeneration actually isn't even a, a good predictor for, for pain, which we're going to talk about. Okay? But osteoarthritis, right? So there's an inflammatory component. There's osteophytes uh, that could be present. And there's cartilage degeneration, right? Those would be like the three main factors um, that, that play a role in this complex condition. But it, the, the, the most prevalent body parts that we see this in are the hands, the spine, the knees, and the hips. Now, whenever I've gone to like Google Scholar or, or other resources to find literature, like 95% of the literature is on knees and it's on hips. Um, you know, there's the, I can hypothesize why that is, uh, but if you just see like a lot of stuff on like knees and hips, uh, it's because that's where most of the literature is. But it's also really prevalent in the hands and the spine. Those would be other locations. Now, risk factors for, um, for osteo arthritis, like, like the most common risk factors. I got this straight from the American College of Sports Medicine 11th edition, okay, that's ACSM guidelines. Um, they cite having a history of joint surgery. So that's common, like if you had, if you had like an ACL reconstruction, you're more likely to have, um, you're more likely to have osteoarthritis in that knee. Isn't that wild, right? So there's actually a debate if you should have reconstruction or not, uh, but that's for another episode. So history of uh, joint surgery. Uh, genetics. If you don't ever know the answer to something, just say genetics plays a role because you're never going to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, aging, right? So if you're 90, you you, you have a higher likelihood. Uh, the female sex, okay, that's that's um, sex is in biological sex. And then um, obesity is a risk factor and uh, certain occupations. Now, what's interesting about the obesity one, I know it's a super sensitive uh, topic. So I'm just, I'm just the messenger, right? I'm just a messenger. There's, there's no uh, opinions on this. Um, so, so with obesity, what's really interesting is that uh, a lot of times it's, that's used as an argument for wear and tear, like joint compression and stuff like that. But obesity is actually a risk factor for, for hand arthritis, like arthritis in your, in your wrist. And that has thought to do with inf more, more so with inflammatory uh, markers, uh, not uh, compression on a joint. So it's important to, to differentiate that because I, I could, I'd never thought of that. Uh, before I started learning more. I always thought it was compression and stuff like that. But we'll find out that like compression is actually really good for joints. Um, but with that, I want to go ahead and read you a, 
I want to read you a quote from the ACSM guidelines in the arthritis chapter. Now, I highly recommend to have the ACSM guidelines available. It's not a book that like you read front to back. I've never read it front to back. Someone just asked me a question about like arthritis. So I go to the arthritis chapter and it's like three pages, right? So it's a good reference to have because you never know when you have a client coming in with something and then you want to know about the condition. You can always reach out to me and I'll probably just refer you to ACSM guidelines. But um, you, this is something that, that I, I highly recommend you have. And uh, there's a link in the show notes. I make, I make $0 by, with that link. I just, it's just an Amazon link, ACSM guidelines. All right, so the, uh, the major, uh, the, or the quote that I want to read to you from the osteoarthritis chapter, or arthritis chapter in the, in the ACSM guidelines goes as such. A major barrier to individuals with arthritis starting an exercise program is the belief that exercise, particularly weight-bearing exercise, will exacerbate joint damage and symptoms such as pain and fatigue. This fear is prevalent not only among individuals with arthritis, but also some physicians and allied health professionals. Thus, individuals with arthritis need to be reassured that exercise is not only safe, but also widely and consistently reported to reduce pain, fatigue, inflammation, and disease activity. That is a fucking mic drop from the ACSM guidelines. That is a direct quote. Okay. I didn't add a single word to that knowingly. I didn't add a knowingly add a single word to that. That is a direct quote. And I'm going to read it to you one more time because it's something that has to imprint on our brains so we can share it with our clients. Okay. The quote goes, a major barrier to individuals with arthritis, starting an exercise program is the belief that exercise, particularly weight-bearing exercise, will exacerbate joint damage and symptoms such as pain and fatigue. This fear is prevalent not only among individuals with arthritis, but also among physicians and allied health professionals. Thus, individuals with arthritis need to be reassured that exercise is not only safe, but widely and consistently reported to reduce pain, fatigue, inflammation, and disease activity. They are literally being told that the medicine is the poison. Okay? One of the best defenses that we have against arthritis in general, and also the symptoms of, arthritis, of osteoarthritis, is exercise, in particular, weight-bearing exercise. But as a result of poor education, right, and, and even from healthcare professionals, people are afraid to move if they have a diagnosis of arthritis or they have arthritic-like symptoms. And you know what happens when we move less? A lot of things, okay? For example, individuals with osteoarthritis are more likely to develop high, um, hypertension, that's high blood pressure that leads to cardiovascular disease, which they have a higher rate of, and type 2 diabetes. So, a, so having poor education as a result of osteoarthritis gives you a higher likelihood of having a cardiac event, okay? Because you stop moving, because you believe that, that, that um, exercise is wear and tear. It's awful. 
it's awful. And, and that's why I hope you can feel the passion here. I love helping people and I want to help as many Pilates instructors as possible provide guideline based information because this is important, right? Poor information is leading to a higher rate of heart attacks, right? These are real people. Like we can make a difference and you can too. And, and even like, like not only is like weight bearing exercise freaking amazing for us, of osteoarthritis, the prevention of and controlling symptoms if you have a diagnosis, but a, 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 a finding arthritis on a scan is not even a predictor for pain, okay? Four to 14% of people that are asymptomatic, okay, and under the age of 40 show osteoarthritis. So you're under 40, that could be me, right? That could be me, I'm 34 years old at the age of, at the time of this recording. Four to fourteen percent of people under forty with no pain have osteoarthritis in that non-painful joint. Then individuals over forty in a non-painful joint, fourteen to forty percent show OA. Okay, forty percent up to forty percent. So if you have a class, right? No one has arthritis in your class, and you're teaching a class of twenty people. It's a math class. That means that at that means eight of them, if you put them in a scan, will show arthritis, and they have no freaking pain. They have no pain. Okay. And that just, the reason why that's important is people will come in and they'll be like, oh, I have knee pain. And then they have a, they get a scan for some reason and it shows arthritis. They may have recent pain in their knee, but they may have had that arth that like that arthritis on a scan for years. We don't know if that's if that is the cause or even a contributing factor to their pain. But what does happen oftentimes is people are more hesitant or afraid to exercise. And 50% of people with OA have sarcopenia, okay? Because if you're afraid to move, you're gonna move less. And what sarcopenia is, sarcopenia means less muscle mass. So it's a, it, that is a, a, a diagnosis for reduced muscle mass. It's not just like, ooh, I feel weak. It is, you, you, we have a clinical concern. We have a medical concern, that's a better word. We have a medical concern for your reduced muscle mass. Okay? You have less muscle mass, and, and less muscle mass is also a predictor for mortality. Okay? So one strength is a predictor for mortality. We need to keep people, we just need to keep humans strong, right? We need to keep humans strong at any age because you can adapt to, uh, to load at any age. Okay? Uh, as long as you're living tissue, you adapt to resistance training. There are no non-responders. I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, there are no non-responders to, uh, to exercise and resistance training. I'll also put in the show notes where I got those statistics. So I'm not just making up numbers, I promise. Osteoarthritis is not a wear and tear disease, okay? The movement is the medicine. Yes, can movement be the poison? Yes, but, but more likely, lack of movement would be the poison, okay? Because movement lubricates joints, okay? You have a synovial fluid within synovial joints, such as your hips, uh, your wrists, your spine, uh, your hips, meaning where people get osteoarthritis. And in order to get the synovial, the synovial fluid, by the way, is like medicine, right? It's like treatment and medicine for the joint. It helps keep it lubricated, helps it move like a, like a well-oiled machine. We're not machines, but that was the best analogy that I had, right? We're much more like an ecosystem. So it keeps our ecosystem healthy. Now, in order to get the synovial fluid out, we need to compress the joint and we need to compress it at full ranges of motion. That means move a lot and load it. 
a compression would be like walking, right? When you're walking, you're compressing weight-bearing joints, joints that bear weight. That would be like your ankles, your feet, your knees, your hips, your spine, right? But not like your hands, elbows, and your shoulders, right? Because we're not compressing those joints. So what we need, so one of the most helpful things you can do for just joint health is load it and load it at a full range of motion because you're going to compress the joints, okay? We're gonna get the synovial fluid out and we're gonna get it moving around within the joint capsule, okay? And to help support this, recreational running, okay? A lot of times people with OA are told not to run or we're told not to run um, to, or people will have a belief that running is bad for your knees, right? It's a very um, like layman's belief, meaning like general public kind of belief that we need to continue to educate on. But recreational running reduces one's chances of having osteoarthritis. And you know what is a risk factor? Sedentation, okay? Not compressing your joints is a risk factor for osteoarthritis. Compressing your joints provides a protective mechanism, okay? But the medicine is always in the dose, okay? Like even water, right? If you have, you, you know, a lot of times like drink water, drink water. Well, if you drink, like you can also drown, right? If you want to go like that scale, you could have too much water in your body and you drown. The medicine is always in the dose, okay? So recreational running would just be like normal, like you go out and you run like five kilometers a week or like 15 kilometers a week, something that's in like the quote unquote normal range. Now, if you do like a marathon, if you do like 10 marathons a year for 20 years, it does increase the, the um, chances of OA. But that's like 2% of people who choose to go running. It's so beyond the typical norm that we're going to see in the Pilates studio. It's not even really worth mentioning to our clients because they just may misinterpret it. So I usually don't mention that because I don't see them. I don't see a client who may have osteoarthritis or is looking to protect their joints uh, when they're asking me about like running advice i don't think they're asking me if they should run 15 marathons this year right i think what they're asking me is can they go running on like a treadmill at the gym or like i live in california so it's like can i go running at the beach and so the answer is like yes go do it right um, just like anything else like people should build themselves up but it's important to recognize that recreational running reduces the prevalence of osteoarthritis. And there is no evidence that running increases the prevalence of osteoarthritis. Okay, there is high quality literature that is in the show notes to support this. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. This is my way of giving back to the Pilates industry. This industry has given me so much in my lifetime and you can give back to the industry as well by giving this podcast a five-star review, which allows us to reach more Pilates instructors. When we reach more Pilates instructors, we can have more of an influence on the Pilates industry and encourage the industry to grow using science-based tools. This is actionable right now. You can pause this and give a double tap on the five stars and it can have an incredible impact. But with that, let's get back into the action. And from the ORSI guidelines, okay, ORSI is just an, an organization that um, studies uh, that studies osteoarthritis. They, their clinical practice guideline core treatments are patient education, land-based 
exercises. And weight management if someone has a body mass index of over 30. Now, weight management is a very, um, uh, it can be a very emotionally driven topic. And it's not really in our scope of practice. I'm not really going to discuss it. I'm just the messenger, right? Don't cancel me. I'm just the messenger because I don't want to exclude something that's in clinical practice guidelines. I recommend looking at the ORSI clinical practice guidelines to look more about that. But it's not my place as a Pilates instructor uh, to do um, weight management. And that is only for people over BMI over 30. And my, um, my understanding of that has to do with inflammatory markers. Um, but what we can do, right, things that are, things that are more um, helpful for a Pilates instructor would be patient education and land-based exercise. Patient education, land-based exercise. That's where I'm gonna go at this conversation. So it's important to recognize that um, the individuals with osteoarthritis have the same physical activity guidelines as people that don't have osteoarthritis. And that's the same at any age. So a way to say that is your 86-year-old client with bilateral knee osteoarthritis, meaning they have osteoarthritis in both knees, they have the same physical activity guidelines as the 24-year-old athlete. I'm going to say that again. Your 86-year-old client with bilateral knee osteoarthritis has the same physical activity guidelines as a 24-year-old athlete. In fact, the 86-year-old with bilateral osteoarthritis in the knees is encouraged to exceed the physical activity guidelines. And those physical activity guidelines are 150, at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise plus two to three resistance training sessions per week, or you can just do it faster, which is 75 minutes of vigorous intensity uh, exercise, that's like aerobic exercise, plus two to three resistance training sessions per week. Now, I'm not saying get your 86-year-old uh, <laughs> client with bilateral uh, osteoarthritis in the knees to go do sprints up the hills and tell them to like deal with it, right? That makes no sense. But what I am encouraging is to recognize that there's no ceiling there's no ceiling or limitations for, for exercise for these people, okay? They're encouraged to move as much as possible because individuals with osteoarthritis have a higher risk of hypertension, of cardiovascular disease, and diabetes mellitus type 2. Okay, those are serious things. That could lead to amputation. That could lead to loss of life, okay? And in, in significant reduced quality of life as well, okay? They are more than just people with osteoarthritis. They are people, and we can help them and we need to help them. Now, there are some considerations when we're working out with them. They're more likely to be symptomatic. They're more likely to be um, deconditioned, right? So we would use like our best judgment in terms of uh, loading, right? We, we can work within their pain tolerance and collaborate with the human to progressively add load and progressively add volume of exercise over a period of time. So what that means is like if you have someone coming in tomorrow who is a 72-year-old with right hip um, osteoarthritis and they just feel achy, like they're like, oh, I feel old, right? Like I feel like I'm just like I, I can't get out of a chair, stuff like that. Well, work on something that's significant for that, that is um, that is meaningful to them, like maybe getting out of a chair. Do the things like we would do, like footwork and feet and straps 
and, and just start slow, right? They're deconditioned, okay? Start slow, check in with them the next day, like after the first session, see how it was. If it was well tolerated, add a little bit of load over time, okay? Use your best judgment. But what I want you to do is like, or what I wanna encourage, right? Like you make your own informed decisions, but what I would like to highly advocate for, which is guideline-based treatment, is load the body and do it in a weight-bearing manner that is tolerable for the human. And the way you do that is you collaborate with them. You let them know that you're a team and that, and that you being fearless yourself as an instructor is going to instill fearless movement over time within that individual. And because you, you never know what people have been through. And it's likely that if someone um, was diagnosed with osteoarthritis, they may have been nocebo'd. Nocebo'd meaning they may have been given fear-based information that is out of alignment with guideline-based care, which is why listening to this and you being you and being informed is so important. Okay, You can reduce the rate of cardiovascular disease, hypertension, and diabetes mellitus within these individuals, and you might help them with their squats too, right? Like you win, okay? Now considerations that, that, that the guidelines, that ACSM guidelines do provide for individuals with osteoarthritis is to just like, like have a little bit of extra time warming up because they're, they're more likely to be symptomatic, right? It makes sense, like they, their knees hurt, right? So then just take more time to warm them up, you know, do some more footwork, stuff like that. Um, they also encourage balance training. Now, balance training, um, right, and, and the reason for that is that, that people with osteoarthritis are more likely to have impaired proprioception and an increased risk of falls. And they also want to encourage um, working on flexibility. Now, when I read this, like I'm familiar with older adult guidelines as well, I've done trainings on um, older adults, that's the same thing with older adults. So I would work on balance training and flexibility with with people just in general, but particularly older adults. Okay, so regardless if they have an arthritic joint or not, uh, balance training is really important because falls, like one in four adults in the United States fall every year and falls are the leading cause of fatal and non-fatal um, hospital visits. And, and when you fall, the main, the main concern is a fracture, in particular a fracture in the hip. And when someone has a fracture in the hip, an older adult, they have an eight times more likelihood to die in the next three months. So sorry for like the word vomit, but um, it's important. So we want to add balance exercises for, for this population. So that could be just like, you know, doing exercises where you reduce the base of support. So if you're like standing and doing like a chest expansion or just like standing and pulling shit, right? Standing, you're pushing or you're pulling, you can have their feet closer together, right? Like right next to each other. They're not going to be able to generate as much strength there because you're, you are encouraging more of a balance challenge, right? But that's okay because we're trying to work on balance in that case. You can also do things in tandem stance, right? So tandem stance would be like one foot in front of the other. You'd be surprised. That stuff's hard. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, you could do something like, like standing on a softer surface, right? If you have a mat, you can have them stand on the mat and do that. If you have those like blue Airx pads, um, those are super good to have. Okay? There's all kinds of ways to help people uh, with, with their balance. Okay? So when you're programming for, um, for individuals with arthritis, okay, patient education is super helpful. So letting them know that they have the same activity guidelines as anyone else and that they're encouraged to do weight-bearing um, weight exercise and that, and that exercise is really good for them. That's probably all the, ed the education you need.
unless they ask specific questions and answer them. Now, weight-bearing exercises, like here's the, this is, this, this is a kick, right? When I read it the first time, okay, here's the, you want to know the weight-bearing exercises that the ACSM I recommend? It's basically all the stuff that hurts. <laughs> They're like, you know that stuff that hurts in your legs? Yeah, do that. Um, so it's uh, squats, right? So like full depth squats, uh, step ups, stair climbing, and carrying. So squats are self-explanatory, right? They're not talking about footwork, by the way. Do footwork. It's a great warm up, but it's not squats. Uh, squats are weight bearing and you have different kinematics uh, during squats. Kinematics, by the way, is like joint movement. So like your lumbar spine, for example, flexes when you squat, um, which is different than footwork. And you also go past 90 degrees in a squat. Uh, so you go like ass to grass. Um, yeah, sorry for that. But no, the podcast has explicit. I don't have to apologize for saying ass to grass. Um, but anyways, so squats, right? So do squats. And then um, step ups, right? So step ups, like, you know, like on the one to chair, if you're familiar with that, you have like one foot on the pedal, one foot on the chair. It's saying do that stuff. But the step up on a one to chair is actually easier than what they're telling you because a one to chair gives you assistance to go up. So what they're saying is I do step ups uh, in general, which is great, but I also recommend just having people step up without the assistance of a pedal. Um, you don't have to do it as high as the one chair, but maybe using like a box or, or some other props that you have could be helpful because they also advocate for stair climbing. Now, if you go upstairs, you also have to go downstairs, right? They didn't say stair ascending, they said stair climbing, right? You climb up and you climb down. And when you climb down, you're working eccentrically in the quadriceps, right? It's gonna pull on the knee a little bit more. Um, you know, you, so I would, anyways, outside of that, outside of that stuff, practice going up and practice going down. And when I'm talking about going down, I'm talking about going forward, okay? You're, you are walking forward off of like a box in the Pilates studio and going down and then trying to slow it down. It's all the stuff that will be symptomatic for people with osteoarthritis, okay? They want squats, they want step ups, they want stair climbing. Now, um, they also want carrying. Now, what carry, carrying, the idea with carrying is promoting um, functionality in terms of ADLs. They want people to be able to perform their, their activities of daily living, right? So carrying is something that you have to do. Like if you can't carry, you got problems. So carrying could be like grip strength, it could be upper extremity strength. It's really just body strength and also coordination and balance. So think like um, you're carrying three grocery bags and you open your door and now your dog is barking. Like they, they and now it's like by your feet and they're so happy to see you when you get home. And then the phone rings. Like they want people to be able to survive. And <laughs> they, they want them to be able to survive in those circumstances. So like carrying is kind of harder to model in a Pilates studio, but you can focus on grip strength. And you can also use your box. Like the box, your box is a basket, by the way. So if you flip the box upside down, there's a hole in it, right? It looks like a laundry basket. So you can just put stuff in it and have them walk, right? Like walk from this reformer to that reformer, set it down, okay? And then if they can't do, like if they can do that, then cool, right? Just put more stuff in it. If they can't do that, you just found out some really good information, right? Because they should be able to do that. So the four exercises, right? Squats, step ups, stair climbing, carrying. Most of those are lower extremity focused, by the way. Now the last bit of information I wanna provide, okay? 
High and low intensity exercise show no difference in pain and function. And this was an 18 month follow-up. Okay, high intensity and low intensity exercise show no difference. Okay, there's no evidence to support that low impact or low intensity exercise is superior for individuals with osteoarthritis. It is a complete marketing ploy to sell someone who, like the only people that say that are people that are selling low intensity exercise. Okay, it's marketing, it's not science. Okay, this is from a paper called The Effect of High Intensity Strength Training and Knee Pain in Knee Compressive Forces Among Adults in OA, the START Randomized Controlled Trial. It is in the show notes. Now, we've also seen that exercise that produces pain show to have a, is very slight, but a slightly reduced pain in the short term, and, and, and it's the same uh, in the long term when you compare it to doing pain-free exercise. So, so there's, there's like a case, it's not very strong to say that like working into a painful range of motion is better than doing a non-painful range of motion for individuals with osteoarthritis. But what, what I would take away from this is like, you're not hurting anyone. Like you're not creating any damage by working in a painful range of motion that the individual you're working with has approved of, right? Because they're always in charge, always collaborate with your clients. We want to provide client-centered care, even for people with osteoarthritis. And it's important to provide them permission that it's okay to work within to work within a painful range of motion, right? And then you collaborate with them to see if it's tolerable. And what you're doing with that is you're providing choices, you're promoting autonomy, which is like motor learning gold, but you're also teaching them that you're not afraid of their knee hurting because you know that they're not creating more damage. In other words, you are teaching them that osteoarthritis is not a wear and tear disease and that pain is not in is not the same thing as injury. You can make such an incredible difference by being informed of science-based practices because individuals, just in, people in general need your help, right? They come to you, right? And, and, they, and they love your sessions and your product is so much more than just Pilates exercises. It's the experience of Pilates and part of that is client education and also your rapport with them. And with individuals with osteoarthritis need your help, okay? Because they are oftentimes not provided uh, up-to-date information. A lot of times people are afraid to move. A lot of times people, they think it's a wear and tear condition and that exercise is going to exacerbate their symptoms and, and, and create problems for their joint health. That is not true, okay? And as a result, these uh, individuals with osteoarthritis are more likely to have high blood pressure, more likely to have cardiovascular disease, more likely to have diabetes, diabetes mellitus, okay, that's type 2 diabetes, and they're more likely to have reduced muscle mass because those are all results of not moving. I hope that you enjoyed this week's podcast. I hope it was informative and uh, reach out to me anytime. You can use the link in, my, in the show notes to connect with me on Instagram. You can join the VIP membership. Uh, reach out to me in any way possible. I want to hear from you. And until next time, stay awesome.